If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, with one week to go, the campaign in the home stretch, and both candidates hit the trail and each other. Joe Biden attempts to turn Georgia blue, a state Democrats haven't won since Bill Clinton. I'm ready to act. I know what to do. President Trump making three stops in places he won in 2016, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Nebraska, amid reports his campaign is low on cash. And we're going to win four more years in the White House. And the special guests on the trail, First Lady Melania and former President Barack Obama. What we do this week will matter for decades to come. Spreading faster than ever. As the U.S. averages 70,000 new coronavirus cases a day, the new video tonight from inside a hospital COVID ICU unit. Plus, the alarming rise in children infected. Outrage in Philadelphia tonight. The city on alert as people protest the shooting of a black man who approached police with a knife. Why his family says he was having a mental breakdown and the officer still in the hospital. Only on CBS News, two grand jurors from the Breonna Taylor case tell Gail King almost the entire room wanted to consider more serious charges for the officers who shot the 26-year-old. Severe weather tonight, Louisiana braces for Hurricane Zeta. As wildfires rage out west, the fire crew's desperate battle to contain the blazes. The head of the alleged sex cult, Nexium, sentenced to life in prison. What 15 of his alleged victims said to him in court. And an incredible act of kindness in Colorado. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting tonight from CBS News Election Headquarters in Times Square. Good evening and thank you for joining us. With just one week to the finish line tonight, the presidential campaigns are making a mad dash across the country, hoping to shore up support or expand the electoral map before next Tuesday. The candidates, along with some high-profile supporters, fanned out to 10 states today, with President Trump holding rallies in three states that he won four years ago and Joe Biden, Biden hitting Georgia, a state Democrats haven't captured in decades. But tonight, it's former President Barack Obama and current First Lady Melania Trump who have have come out swinging and dueling stump speeches. Mr. Obama lashed out at his successor, saying President Trump is jealous that the coronavirus pandemic is getting more coverage than he is. While in a rare speech, First Lady Melania Trump hit Joe Biden, calling his agenda socialist and saying it would destroy the country. Tonight, both campaigns are trying to convince Americans who haven't already stood in line or mailed in their ballots to do it now. 
A record-shattering 69 million Americans have already voted, and tonight election officials in several states are encouraging those who haven't to vote in person, saying ballots mailed in now may not arrive on time to be counted. And as we come on the air, the final campaign push is playing out just as the surge of coronavirus cases is reaching an alarming new rate, with new infections now growing faster than ever. There's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight. Our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Ed O'Keefe is going to lead off our coverage tonight from right here in our CBS election headquarters. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Nora. With seven days left, Joe Biden is feeling so confident he's doing something Democrats didn't think they'd be able to do, campaigning in states they haven't won in decades. And in the coming days, he's going to keep doing what he did today, pushing a message of national unity. Just by setting foot in Georgia, Joe Biden sent a message to President Trump today. Democrats think they can flip the state for the first time since 1992. In Warm Springs, where Franklin Delano Roosevelt once sought relief from the pains of polio, Biden said the country would recover from the current crisis. This place, Warm Springs, is a reminder that though broken, each of us can be healed. That as a people and a country... We can overcome this devastating virus. Next door in Florida, former President Obama was pumping up the crowd in Orlando. Honk if you're fired up! Hoping to turn out Central Florida's Latino and suburban voters, the key to any statewide win. We've got to turn out like never before, Orlando. And he taunted his successor. COVID, 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 he's complaining. He's jealous of COVID's media coverage. The former president also called out recent comments by Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, about black Americans. President Trump's policies are the policies that can help people break out of the problems that they're complaining about, but he can't want them to be successful more than they want to be successful. His son-in-law says white folks have to want to be successful. That's the problem. Who are these folks? What history books do they read? The Biden campaign is courting black voters in a last-minute barrage of TV ads. A thousand times again. Outspending the president on TV by $12 million this week alone. Tonight in Atlanta, Biden said the African-American vote in Georgia could put him over the top. It's time to stand up and take back our democracy. And any place we can do it here in Georgia, we win Georgia, we win everything. So to give you a bigger sense of the scope of Biden's advertising, he's now bought more than $600 million in TV and radio ads during the general election, mostly in 14 key states. So even if Biden isn't traveling much, it's really hard to miss him right now on the airwaves in battleground states. Those are quite some numbers at O'Keefe. Thank you so much. Now, despite being outspent on the airwaves, President Trump plans to crisscross the country in the coming days for his signature in-person rallies. Today, the president campaigned in three states that he won in 2016, including two critical battlegrounds, Wisconsin and Michigan, where he now trails in the polls. Here's CBS's Paula Reed. Rising COVID cases in Michigan didn't stop thousands of supporters from cheering on the president in Lansing today. Or the president from saying the pandemic is getting too much attention. But here's the story. It's COVID, COVID, COVID. You can't watch anything else. On November 4th, you won't be hearing so much about it. Despite evidence the president's handling of the virus has hurt him in the polls, he's down eight, according to the latest CBS Battleground tracker. The president continues to minimize COVID's impact. Do you ever notice they don't use the word death, they use the word cases, cases, like Baron Trump. 
is a case. He has sniffles. He was sniffling. One Kleenex, that's all he needed. One, that was it. In her first solo campaign appearance this year in Pennsylvania, First Lady Melania Trump defended her husband's response to the virus. While the president was taking decisive action to keep the American people safe, the Democrats were wasting American taxpayer dollars in a sham impeachment. Seven days out and down or tied in almost every swing state, the president is again sowing doubts about the outcome of the election falsely claiming there are problems with mail-in ballots and calling for a final total on November 3rd. Twitter flagged that as misleading, and acting Department of Homeland Security Chief Chad Wolf told CBS News' Catherine Herridge the final tally will come in after Election Day. I think the vast majority of Americans would like that result come election night, but we do know that certain states will continue to count some of their mail-in ballots uh, for uh, a couple of days after. In Wisconsin, where Mr. Trump rallied tonight, the president's supporters echoed his concerns about mail-in voting. We want to vote on Election Day. just makes us feel better. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled last night that all ballots in Wisconsin must be in by Election Day to be counted. But this opinion has some Democrats concerned because Justice Kavanaugh appeared to be echoing President Trump, expressing concerns about, quote, chaos if ballots come in after November 3rd. And the president has said he thinks that the Supreme Court may ultimately be asked to decide the outcome of the presidential election. Nora. And that's why that was so closely watched. Paula Reed. thank you. One of the biggest stories of this campaign is the record-setting number of ballots cast by early voters, with some states already nearing their 2016 totals for the entire election. Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett joins us now. Major, I know you have been tracking these numbers, so tell us, what are you seeing? So the numbers are historic, Nora, and they really speak to something that could be described as an American success story. We are figuring out how to have an election in a pandemic and doing so earlier than we've ever done before. Let me show you a couple of big numbers. 2020 early vote turnout right now already above 69 million. The total early vote turnout in 2016, 57 million. One other thing I want to point out, the overall day of and early vote total in 2016, 138.8 million. Experts I've talked to believe turnout this year could be 150, possibly 155 million. Let's go to some of the states that are acting like battlegrounds in their early vote. Texas, 87 percent of the total 2016 turnout early voting. Florida, 67 Georgia, 71. North Carolina, 72. Arizona, 68 percent. Again, those numbers represent early vote as a percentage of the entire 2016 turnout. And, Major, let me ask you this. What can you tell us not only about about who is voting, but how they're voting early? And, of course, no, we don't know how anyone is voting. What we do know is party affiliation in some states that track that with the early vote. And here's what we know. Mail-in voting by party affiliation. Democrats currently lead Republicans roughly two to one. And then you see no affiliation otherwise known as independents. Let's go to early in-person voting. Well, Republicans are showing an advantage there. 42% to Democrats, 37%. Again, no affiliation, independents, 21%. How those independents fall, very crucial in 2020, just as they were in 2016. Republicans like to vote in person. They do indeed. Major Garrett, thank you so much. Tonight, the governor of Illinois is cracking down on the rise in COVID cases, once again banning indoor dining and drinking in Chicago. More than 8.7 million cases have now been confirmed in the U.S., and more than 226,000 Americans have died from the disease. And we learned today that crucial COVID vaccine information from drug maker Pfizer that was expected this week is now unlikely to come before the election. Here's CBS's Meg Oliver. 
Tonight, COVID is spreading faster than ever in the U.S., with the highest one-week average of new cases since the pandemic began. 38 states now reporting increases in the number of hospitalized patients compared to two weeks ago. The situation is especially dire in seven states, where many ICUs are near or at capacity. Average daily deaths have also edged back up to about 800 Americans per day, a level not seen in more than a month. In Utah, hospitals pushed to the brink are preparing to ration care. You can't sustain this pace of the surge right now. No, it's not sustainable. Dr. Todd Vento is the top infectious doctor at Intermountain Healthcare in Salt Lake City. So I would say that if you don't think that your daily actions affect others that you've never met, you're wrong. Everything we do that circulates the virus eventually makes it so that it might get to someone who ends up in the hospital. In the Midwest, the surge has been especially hard. Wisconsin saw its highest daily uptick in cases since the pandemic began. Illinois is also seeing a spike in new cases and daily deaths have risen more than 50 percent. We have got to reverse the trend and slow the spread of this virus. COVID cases in kids are also rising up more than 14% in two weeks. And now a British study suggests coronavirus antibodies might only last months, similar to those for the common cold. In Newark, New Jersey, where the coronavirus positivity rate is topping more than 11%, new restrictions are in effect. It's not panic. It's calculated strategies to do what we know works here in Newark. Starting tonight here in Newark, the state's largest city, all non-essential businesses and indoor dining will shut down every night at 8 o'clock until at least November 10th. On average, the number of new COVID cases in the state has jumped by more than 45 percent in the last two weeks. Nora. All right, Meg Oliver, thank you. Tonight, city officials in Philadelphia are appealing for calm following a night of violent protests after police shot and killed a black man in front of his family. The shooting was captured on video and a warning. What you are about to see and hear is disturbing. Here's CBS's Jerika Duncan. Tonight, the National Guard on alert in Philadelphia after demonstrations turned violent Monday night. Police say 30 of their officers were injured, including one female officer whose leg was broken after she was hit by a vehicle. Oh my God, he hit a cop! The unrest is fueled by the shooting death of 27-year-old Walter Wallace Jr. In cell phone video, he's seen walking toward police. His family claims he had a dinner night. Wallace's mother tried to intervene. Two officers with their guns drawn repeatedly asked him to drop the weapon. Police say the officers fired at least seven shots each. There are many questions that demand answers. Residents have my assurance that those questions will be fully addressed by the investigation. This is just the latest in police-involved shootings that have led to protests, including one in Waukegan, Illinois. Today, 20-year-old Tafara Williams, who was shot last week in a police-involved shooting that left her boyfriend, Marcellus Danette, dead, spoke for the first time from her hospital bed. I get here and Marcellus still breathing. I told them, please don't shoot. I have a baby. We have a baby. We don't want to die. 
As this West Philadelphia community mourns, today we spoke to Wallace's family attorney, Shaka Johnson. He said Wallace's pregnant wife told authorities that her husband was bipolar. You maintain this was an unjustified police shooting? Absolutely. I have an issue with the fact that someone with verifiable mental health issues was gunned down in the street in front of his family. The Philadelphia mayor says he's reached out to other law enforcement agencies to be on alert, possibly for assistance. And some businesses also plan to close down early tonight. Nora, a number of people here on this street ask, why didn't police just use a taser? Well, the police chief commissioner said that the officers involved in the shooting didn't have them. All right, Charika Duncan, thank you. Tonight in a CBS News exclusive, we're hearing from two of the grand jurors in the Breonna Taylor case. The 26-year-old ER technician was shot and killed inside her home last March in a botched police raid. No officers had been directly charged with killing Taylor. The jurors, who asked to be identified only as grand juror one and two, tell CBS This Morning's Gail King the entire jury wanted to discuss more charges against the officers. So when you all look, juror one and two, and you're told that the only thing you need to consider right now is wanton endangerment, did anyone say, hey, are there any other options here? Did either of you say that? Almost the entire room. Yes, everyone said that. What was the answer that you were given? Basically, in a nutshell, they said there's there were other possible charges that we considered, but nothing that we could make stick or that we felt we could make stick. Both jurors call the police actions leading up to the raid negligent, and one believes they were criminal. You can see Gail King's exclusive interview with the grand jurors tomorrow. That's only on CBS This Morning. In Southern California tonight, about 100,000 people remain under evacuation orders because of two intense wildfires. Two firefighters are in critical condition after they were badly burned. Several homes are damaged, but so far none have been destroyed. Security camera video shows flames approaching one home, but firefighters managed to save this house from burning. And there are hurricane warnings uh, that are posted along the Gulf Coast from Louisiana to the Mississippi-Alabama border. Zeta pounded Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula Monday night with 80-mile-an-hour winds. By late tomorrow, Zeta could become the fifth named storm to hit Louisiana this year. The man who founded a self-improvement company that's been called a cult was sentenced today to 120 years in prison. Keith Raniere ran Nexium, which counted millionaires and Hollywood actors among its followers. Fifteen former members testified that he turned them into sex slaves branded with his initials. Raniere was convicted of sex trafficking. Tonight, a panel of health experts is recommending adults be screened for colon cancer at age 45, not 50. Young people are being diagnosed with colon cancer at higher rates. A 45-year-old now has the same risk as a 50-year-old had in years past. If you ever doubted the power of pen and paper, along with a bit of kindness, CBS's Jamie Ucas has a story that might change your mind. As the East Troublesome Fire raged near Granby, Colorado, Dan Stones could only imagine from a distance the fate of his family cabin. Do you think to yourself, this is going to be a loss? Yeah, yeah, we um, we did. When the smoke cleared, instead of ashes, this note was left behind. If this note finds you, we must have done something right. Sorry for the loss of your shed, and we had to cut a little of your wood fence to save your house. 
Things got really hot. We stayed as long as possible. Best wishes, engine fourteen forty six. It absolutely blew me away, um, and and I'm a grown man, and I can admit I wept. Are you surprised by the homeowner's reaction to the note? Uh, it was heartwarming. There's a lot of good people that are doing the exact same thing we did, and I mean, we just got credit for this. Humble heroes and a grateful homeowner. I, I couldn't not share that with the world. We couldn't resist either. Jamie Ucas, CBS News. And Daniel plans to pay it forward by offering his cabin to families displaced by the fire. There are a lot of good people out there. Tomorrow, the 12-year-old who's hitting a home run for his community turning storm debris into baseball bats. And if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so that you can watch us later. I'm Nora O'Donnell in CBS News Election Headquarters in New York. Good night. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official T-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com.